welcome back. We finally made it. Episode number 10, three part par. My name's Mike Caridi. I'm your host. Uh, I didn't think we'd get to 10, to be honest. I th- and I didn't know if we did get to 10, how long it would take, but we, we've got there in 10 weeks, which is great. So we're still working out each week. Uh, normally, every week, we do go through a rundown of last week's golf and next week's golf, but we're doing something a little bit special, a little bit different this week, doing a Ryder Cup special for the US team. And we've got on someone special to talk about the US team. And that's DB from the Tour Junkies, David Barnett. Welcome, DB. Karidi, thank you so much. Pleasure to be on the Three Putt Par podcast. Um, listen, I, I'm actually kind of a, a Three Putt Par connoisseur. I mean, I hit it a long way, and I suck at putting. So I think this <laughs> is the perfect situation. I probably should have thought about this this for myself, this podcast branding for myself. But I'm proud of you. Love you. And I uh, love my Aussies. I mean, listen, it, it's also going to be hard for me not to slip into my Aussie accent on occasion on this show. As you know, I love to do that. You do. You do. Drunk I actually am, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> yes. I, I was actually, uh, I was wondering when we were going to hear it. It is, it, it's not, it's not the worst Aussie accent I've ever heard. It's certainly got a little bit of English in there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly not the worst, but you do love it, which I do appreciate. Every time I hear you do it on the podcast, I do laugh, which is, which is good. Um, yeah. And I can't do any other accent. I, I literally can't. It, it all starts to flow to what I see as the Aussie accent that I, Aussie that accent. I um, and well, when I'm around someone who speaks it like you do, if like, I, yeah. like after this, I guarantee you, my wife works from home too. I, when I'm, when we're done with this, I'll go downstairs, eat lunch and she'll say something and I'll be like, yeah. And she'll go, <laughs> what? And I'll be like, oh, sorry, sorry, babe. I was on a, I was on a show with, with Karidi, and I'll, I'll end on the up like it's a question, yep. and she'll be like, was, he, is he Australian? And be like, yes. I, I just, I don't do it on purpose. It just happens. It just, it's like a, it's just contagious, and it lives in me for a minute, and then I get, and then it gets out. It is one of those accents I do find that in the states people do. And sorry, I should have mentioned I am currently sitting in Miami on conference, so it's perfect timing to catch up with DB because you are in. Well, you're just outside of Augusta or you're still in Augusta? Yeah, I'm, I'm 10 minutes outside of the Augusta limits. But we, where I am, we all just say we, we live in Augusta because it's a big conglomerate of suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you're here and as soon as, as soon as especially the girls hear the Aussie accent, they do want to have a chat. And, and yeah, I don't know why. It's, it doesn't sound like the sexiest voice, but yeah, do you definitely. Think, do you think if heads. I were, do you think if, and I'm, listen, happily married, sorry, ladies, listen to the Three Pub Par <laughs> podcast. Um, do you think if I were single and available in Australia, do you think that I could get a little extra attention or play from the ladies because of my Southern accent? I don't know if it's necessarily the Southern. I'm not sure whether the ladies like the US American accent. I'm not sure. Okay. You, have to, well, you have to just get over there and play some golf and find out. Well, I mean, obviously... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, not acting on anything, but yeah. On the up and up, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we should actually probably introduce how one I know you, which I still um I still we still don't know how I found the, your podcast in the first place because it was many many years ago. Um, tell us a bit about the Tour Junkies podcast. Yeah, man, we are going on right about this time uh, in September. We nine years ago, which is. <sighs> That is ridiculous to my mind. Um, we started the Tour Junkies podcast, me and Pat Perry in Augusta, and just all based around DraftKings PGA Tour, uh, because at the time, gambling was not legal in the U.S. at all. And so it was DraftKings was the only way we could scratch that itch. We both born and raised in Augusta, Georgia, uh, going to the Masters our whole life. I was a caddy there for a couple years in college. Pat, very privileged. Uh, his dad's a member, or not a member, but a badge holder there. 
Uh, so Pat has had many experiences. We just love the game of golf. And then we also loved gambling. So the two met and we started the show. And um, nine years later, somehow we're still doing it. And somehow people are still listening. I'm wondering when they'll get tired of us or uh, at what point like we become old and irrelevant. Um, but hopefully our listeners that started just age with us, you know, like people like you. And, um, and we just keep it keep it rolling. But nine years going. And so we just cover every event from uh, – well, I say every event. I mean, it's very, um, very uh, nationalist of me, but every PGA Tour main event, you know, we're covering yeah. from a betting DFS angle every week. I should say, because a lot of the listeners in Australia, we, we don't play DFS at all. I mean, yeah. it's just not a thing in Australia, never has been. It's because gambling has been legal forever. So, I mean, I've been betting golf legally every state in Australia for 25 years. Dude. So it's it, like, I remember like betting, I remember winning lots of money on Fred Funk and Bob Estes. Like we're talking oh, a dude. long time ago. Yeah. Champions tour guys now. Dude, if you just said Fred Couples and Pat were on the show, he'd have got a little bit of a chub in his pants. Um, I can't tell you how excited I'm going to be when it's legal in Georgia, because technically yeah. it's not legal here yet. We're a very conservative state. It's gone. It's gone to vote in the Georgia Senate a couple of times and, you know, it gets shut down and I've heard a bunch of things. I won't bore you with the details because Australians probably don't care. But when it happens, because I do believe it will happen, it, I I just can't tell you how excited I'm going to be. Now, I will say this too. I think the DFS thing, I think it's starting to show signs of decline in the U.S. as well when it comes to golf. Um, mm -hmm. I just saw something the other day that showed FanDuel's um, DFS numbers revenue numbers even this is football this is all dfs compared to their betting revenue and i mean yeah. listen fanduel mailed it in on golf two years ago i mean they quit they quit putting up good contests for dfs golf a long time ago and DraftKings is still holding strong i mean they are the dfs golf platform but we've seen it evolve too over the years i mean again when we first started it was only dfs available in the u.s and as years have have passed on we started breaking up the shows where we do one show dfs one show betting and you, when we first started doing that, the DFS show still had more listens. And as we've as we've seen, the, the whole thing is turned, and now our betting show has has more listens and watches than uh, than the DFS show most of the time. It's funny because I mean that's how I found the podcast, and it, it, you guys were just starting out. It was right around the time when um, you were having some fun with the great Aussie Larrick and Stephen Bowditch, and. Bowdo and, and you guys were interacting and I think that's how I, I found you or maybe I just did a search on Apple um, podcasts for golf gambling and you guys came up yeah. um, and I was listening to the because I mean the content is very similar for how to figure out putting together a DFS team and so for Aussies it's pretty much like what we call super coach but without the with a gambling angle uh, a yeah. weekly lineup so you can listen to someone who's figuring out how they're going to pick their team and it's the same stuff on how you're going to figure out who you're going to put some money on to bet. So yeah, that, that was great for me. I loved listening to these two guys talk about that sort of stuff because it helped me do some homework, which was good. Yeah. Those, the, the Bowdo, the Bowdo thing was a, uh, is a legendary moment in tour junkies history. Uh, you know, and that, probably eight years ago that happened. So was eight years ago. Yeah. I've still got my pod bros t-shirt at home. I'll wear it here and there. Bless your heart. It's still there. Um, and <laughs> One more thing I want to follow up on you guys, well, specifically for you, not just for the tour junkies. Now that Collins has had a hole in one, your son, when do you think you're finally going to get a hole in one? Dude, 
He is such a little shit talker too. It, like it took <laughs> one hole and he was like one hole after that happened. And he was like, dude, dad, you think you'll ever get one? I'm like, you bastard. Um, so tell, tell, I, tell the people, tell the people why, how I know Colin's had a hole in one. Yeah. I, I, my son who's, who uh, is now 13, two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, playing our home course. Uh, long story short, th- there is a certain hole on that property. It's a, ch- a Champions Retreat Golf Club, which hosts the first two rounds of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. If you watch that before Masters, it's a fantastic place. But there is a 27-hole property. There is a certain par three on Jack Nicholas's side. Jack Nicholas designed the bluff course. Um, it's number eight on the bluff course, par three. And, and literally since we joined six years ago, when he was six years old, he has just always had good vibes on that hole. Always. It, it's kind of a, honestly, man, like it's really been kind of a, uh, a thing that I've thought about over the last few weeks, just mentally with, with golf, because I mean, you, you and I are both also golf sickos in terms of playing. Yeah. We don't just want to bet on it. We want to play and we want to be better, but oh, yeah. mentally he, he has just always had this thing with this hole. And I don't remember how it started, but I mean, I'm talking about going back when he was hitting driver off the tee on this hole. He would just, most of the time, it didn't matter how the swing was feeling, how the day was going, how his attitude was, he would step up on that tee box and there was just a different level of confidence. There was a different feeling. And he would just, most of the time, more than most of the time, hit a great shot. And so about a year ago, I started videoing because about a year ago, he started like really taking it seriously and getting better. So about a year ago, I started videoing. Um, every time he stepped up on the tee box, I would just video just cause I mean, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen on this hole and I'm a dad, you know what, you know? So I have like dozens of videos on my phone. Most of the time or every time I've always just videoed it, you know, and I've got it in like cinematic mode and I'm doing all this stuff. And, um, for some random reason, uh, we were playing on a, on a random Saturday evening. It was a hundred degrees, hundred percent humidity hot as balls and um wasn't a lot of people on the course but i was just like hey let's let's go live and we'll do like we you play this hole i'll do like a let's do like a part three challenge i will go on instagram live i'll play from your tee box you see if you can beat me you know see if you can beat dad he's like okay so i go live and we're on the tee box and i'm kind of setting it up and there's like not a handful i mean there's a handful of people watching and then he he freaking makes it live and uh and it was just the perfect hole in one. Like when I see it, it's what I want mine to be like because there's yeah. a couple different types. Like you could have the one where you literally just fly the thing in the hole, which is pretty cool. But the way his happened, I mean, he hit it exactly like in your mind how you draw it up because it's on yeah. this top back shelf, back left shelf. Everything flows hard right to left. He hit it right into the slope like he's supposed to, just right of the hole. One hop slows down, spins starts to drift left and you're just so you know it's a good shot and you're watching it just get closer and closer and closer and closer and you're just wondering if the depth is right you know and so in the video you're 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 feeling it with us where we're like uh uh and you know 99 other times out of 100 when you're doing that you're going to see the ball cross the hole either behind or in front and you go oh but it it just disappeared and and we went nuts um it was amazing Oh, I was uh, literally waiting for the Tony Finau broken ankles as you as you ran well, down the hill. You didn't get the broken ankle, but I had a I had a tight hammy for about uh, about three <laughs> days. I didn't I didn't pull it, but I I, I it, that sucker was tight. I had the Theragun on that thing, 
for about three days. Um, and, and listen, I, I've told people this, I've, I've got a, I'm happily married with three kids and that was a top three moment of my life. And I, yeah. I'll let you figure out, and I don't know, but I'm just, I don't know what, what gets pushed out, but that, that was the pinnacle of like dad moments right there. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get one. I don't, I don't care like that one, the way it happened, the way it went down that we have it on video and all that. Like I'll never forget it. And that sucker's been milking it for weeks. I mean, everywhere it, it he was, goes, people are asking. funny. I reckon I watched cause you, you had played or I got a notification. You guys had gone live. Yeah. We've done like I watched the whole before. One. Yeah. And did I, a I one thought shot I was watching one, that. Like a one club challenge thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd watch that. And then I think I had something to do. And then I didn't see the whole in one live. And then I saw everything blowing up. And I'm like, what did I miss? And then jumped in and I could not believe it. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, You mentioned before about obviously living in Augusta and growing up in Augusta, mm. caddying at Augusta too. So how much, you know, obviously... The guys in Australia, I mean, I've been lucky enough to go there and lucky enough to meet up with yourself and Pat and have some some drinks on Pat's tab and your tab over at um, Augusta Country Club. Um, what a night that tell was. Us, tell us, that was a big night. Tell us a bit about it. Tell us a bit about what it's like growing up there and, and what's a town like difference to just normal versus obviously Masters Week and everything else. Yeah, I mean, obviously it changes a lot, but um, Augusta is a great place, man. It's a great place to live. It's a great place to have a family. It does get a bad rap, uh, Masters Week. A lot of the media loves to come here and just shit on it, um, which has always irritated me um, because, you know, it just they're they're just like a lot of places. I mean, Augusta is the second largest city in the state of Georgia to Atlanta. Most people are surprised yeah. to know that. Yeah. What they cover when they come here and they talk about Augusta National, they cover literally Washington Road, the street that it's on. Yeah. And on on one side of Washington Road, which is rather close to the Augusta National, is the older historic Augusta. And there are some pretty rough spots. And there are some spots down there that are dying from a business standpoint. Um, but but there's so, so much more of the town and the city and some of the suburbs that that they they don't check out. Um it's a great place to be. Uh, growing up here, uh, it is obviously impossible to ignore the Masters every year. I mean, every every year, as long as I've been alive, I'll be 40 in December. The spring break for all the schools is always Masters week because of, you know, the influx of visitors that come in that week and what it does to the economy. And everybody's either renting their house out or, go, you know, going on vacation or, or either they love it and they stay home, whatever. I mean, what's funny is like I grew up my parents who weren't big golf people like neither one of them introduced me to the game of golf I, I played baseball my whole life till i was 19 i picked up golf but they all but they loved the masters because my both my parents are from augusta so like literally the only golf tournament they watched all year was the masters but they loved the masters so much we never went on break on on vacation and we could have afforded it my parents never rented their house out they live 10 miles from the from the from the tournament i mean if they rented their house out right now this year they could probably rent it out for 20 to 20 grand for the week, tax-free, wow. um, never rented their house out, always had friends in town. So I just grew up like watching it on TV, trying to make it out to a practice round. God, it was so much easier before. I, I just can't even tell you how wild it is now that, um, yeah, I mean, so we just always love, I just always grew up around it. And, um, but despite that, I still didn't take up golf until I was 19. So I've been um, I've been lucky enough to go every year since I was probably nineteen or twenty, and um, 
seen some amazing moments, been there for some amazing moments. Now, Pat's been going since he was, you know, uh, knee high to a grasshopper and um, was was there for a lot of cool stuff, too. So um, it, it's a special place. Uh, you got you just have to figure out how to get here. You know that. Um, but but I realize it's becoming harder and harder. Augusta, unfortunately, I do feel like the Nationals. For, for all the stuff they do that kind of looks like and feels like they're doing it for the right reasons, I do think they've lost it a little bit. It's such a it is turned into such a corporate thing and it has become the more corporate it's become the more difficult it is for the regular golf fan outside of the lottery to yeah. to get here um because the prices for tickets are just unbelievable for people that i mean obviously i was lucky enough in 2019 which was a good year to get tickets in the lottery we got four tickets for wednesday mm. um and then padded it out with a tour group and got tickets for friday and sunday as well yeah. If someone just turns up Masters Week, somehow they find accommodation, they're going to go down Washington Road and try and get tickets. Like, what's a practice round ticket roughly cost? And then what would tournament days roughly cost if people are sort of shopping? Yeah, it's it's changed. You know, it's it's like the stock market. It's there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, a couple of things I say about that is number one, you cannot go off of like StubHub or those things, right? Especially early, like now, I, I, I people you know, message us all the time. They're like, Oh my God, I see that, you know, Wednesday practice round on StubHub's $3,000. And I'm like, dude, it's September. So they're just putting out whatever price they want to put out. That doesn't mean anybody's buying it at $3,000. Now, if, yeah. if it's a week before the tournament, this is probably, that's actually probably the real price. But, you know, I think Mondays and Tuesdays are your cheapest days. You know, I think right now those things that you can, you know, if you're here locally and you're here, that is a big key. I always tell people if you can get here, then you can likely get a ticket. Um, if you're here locally, you can probably find one Monday or Tuesday for a thousand bucks a ticket. You know, maybe mm -hmm. maybe Tuesday it goes up to like thirteen hundred a ticket. I don't. I mean, you went on the Wednesday. My, my wife and I's first date was a Wednesday practice around two thousand five. I've been to plenty of Wednesday par three tournaments. Yeah. I don't get the Wednesday thing. Like I, I, every year, I'm like, how much is a Wednesday ticket going for? What? Like people pay ridiculous people will pay three thousand dollars for a Wednesday ticket and wow. pay twelve hundred for a Tuesday. And I'm like, I don't care to go see, you know, Poppy McElroy walk around in her in her in her caddy onesie and make a putt. I I would rather watch the P, the, the guys hit the golf balls on the big course. I'd rather watch yeah. them skip it on a Tuesday across the pond on sixteen. Like I don't understand the obsession, the obsession with Wednesday. Um, so I, one of my favorite days to go is Tuesday. I love going on Tuesdays. So I tell people mm -hmm. if you want your first experience and you just want it cheap, you know, show up on Sunday before. You know, go play a couple of local courses. Enjoy the enjoy the town as it as it changes on Monday night. Go to the practice round on Tuesday. Party some more on Wednesday. Do your thing. I love Tuesdays and then tournament days. I mean, are usually up in the, you know, 2000 to 2500 range. I will say if you are here on a Saturday late, like Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, Sunday tickets will pop up for cheap. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can get a Sunday ticket. So I'm talking like final round Sunday ticket for less than 1500 bucks because uh, you got some. I remember you telling me that. I remember you telling me that when we were there. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> again, it's so corporate. 
these corporate bastards come in here. They're all out of shape. They're fat asses. They're drinking more than they ever drink. They're smoking. They're doing blow. They're hooking around. They're they're exhausted. They're walking that golf course, which is brutal. Yep. And and they all have these corporate sweet ass deals, right? Where they're in these hospitality things that are right across the street from the national. And by the time they've been out there and they've they their sunburnt to hell, their their feet are blisters all over them because their 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 on clouds aren't used to walking the miles, and they're sore in places they never knew they could be sore in, and they're hungover. They just go, you know what? F it. I'm gonna sit here in this air conditioned hospitality suite with a million TVs, free drinks, free food, and hot waitresses. And I'm going to watch it here and listen to Jim Nance put me to to, to bed in Ma- on Master Sunday. And those tickets pop up and you just have to be here and be available. I think as well, the National and Augusta tournament is, uh, is so different because when you are there, you don't know what's going on unless it's in front of your yeah. face. There's no televisions, no, no phones yeah. or nothing. So if you really do want to see what's happening, it's a bit like, it's sort of like it a little bit to the Formula One. Now, if you're at a Formula One event, in, like the one in Melbourne, unless you're in front of a screen, you've got no idea what's going on if, right. or a radio. It's You just can't tell. So I think, yeah, if you, if you definitely want to see what's happening or if it's a close one, and unless you can get a spot around 18. Yeah, yeah you're, you're exactly right. And a lot of people would just prefer to watch it on TV on Sunday and watch it unfold. A hot take that I've had for a couple of years now, and, I, and one of these days, Augusta is going to prove me right. They are going to figure out a way to either take your mobile device and completely overtake it when you come on property so that you can only be on the master's app and yeah. it like automatically silences your phone or it, and it automatically shuts down your camera they are going to either figure that out or figure out a way to literally hand every single effing patron that walks yeah. in that gate a device that will allow them to track everything on the app but do nothing else like they will figure that out because they are they they figure new shit out every year and it blows our mind every year oh when they came out with the app only a few years ago with every single shot it's like yeah. they just do it you know like pj two can't get around to it forever they just organize yeah. it in 12 months and, and roll it out. Done. One of the one of the memorable stories I have from a, a fellow media member is like, this is like in 05, 06, like really early of like, if you think about it, like early days of the internet, you know? Yeah. And AT&T was a major sponsor and they were in the old media house and they were supposed to have Wi-Fi for all their, all their media people. They get there on the first day, I think it was Monday and the wi-fi sucks and there's like i think there was something like 60 media approved credential people that were allowed to be in that building writing articles and publishing things and all this stuff and they get there on monday and and it's a whole debacle because the wi-fi is not working people can't get their articles out they're they're issuing complaints to the national blah 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 and my buddy was there till like at like five o'clock that day, walks off the course, realizes he can't use the Wi-Fi. He's he's hearing people talk about it. He leaves at five o'clock. He said, when I left at five o'clock, the media house was basically empty other than workers and a few stragglers because nobody could get their work done. So they were all going to coffee shops and going out off site to yeah. go get their articles in on Monday night. He said, I got there a Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And the National had had AT&T come in overnight and there were plug-in ethernet ports at every single media station that worked to perfection the rest of the week 
on Tuesday morning by 6 a.m. with no sign of workers, no sign of construction, done. Just now to get it done. <laughs> I mean, look, it's kind of important too. I mean, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, you know, we've all heard rumors about the USB ports in trees and about a million other things that's probably out on the property. It's a, it's a big place, yeah. but yeah, it's, I couldn't imagine um, trying to organize that the way that they do and do it so well every year. Like you just don't, I mean, last year a tree fell down, but you don't just get big problems. You know what I mean? It seems to just run yeah. so smoothly every year. Yep. Now I've personally witnessed the tree import thing when I was a caddy. Oh, in really? 08. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a caddy in 08, I saw for my own, with my two eyeballs, the tree thing and it rocked my world. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, I did not know. I thought it was just going to be one of those urban myths. So I love the fact that we can confirm it. No, no, no. I, there, there was a tree that went down and uh, I think it was on 14 and I saw the spot on 14. I knew that where it was on 14, I think it was left, left of the fairway. And it wasn't like some, you know, famous tree or anything. It was just a tall hmm. Georgia pond. And I, I saw the spot that was vacant. The next day, I'm sitting outside the caddy house and I see this massive semi roll in through the parking lot with this massive pine tree and this massive root system covered up in this brown, you know, I don't know what it is, but just huge root system. Yeah. I don't even know how this, I mean, it had to have had some, you know, it had a police escort or something to get wherever it came from to here. And I'm like, holy crap. And I, you know, and I was like, where's that tree going? I'm talking to other caddies like, oh, that's going on the spot on 14. I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw it yesterday. That's wild. Later that day, I'm, I'm on a, this was like in the morning. I'm waiting on my loop at like one o'clock in the afternoon. So we go off like one in the afternoon. By, you know, four in the afternoon, I'm at 14. And I don't see the, I don't see the spot in the ground where the previous tree was uprooted. And I'm like looking around. I'm, I look at the senior caddy in the group. I'm like, where the, where the hell is that tree? Like, where, what, what, what are they doing? He was like, oh, they already put the new one in. I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, that's the new tree. And this thing looked like it had been there a hundred years. There was yeah. no disturbance of the ground. The grass was perfect. You couldn't find a seam. You couldn't find any disturbance in that root system. It, the ground was the same level. It was unbelievable. They put that damn thing in the ground the same day and you would have never known it. You, you just literally reminded me of something when we were there that was blowing our minds, just how perfect everything is in tournament was the divots. So I was sitting there, it must've been, I think it was a practice day because they had, yeah, it was a practice day because they had the tee boxes um, blocked off. But when someone hit a shot, they were on the par three. They were waiting until they walked off the tee, getting like a divot punch that sort of punched out the the divot mark that they'd made and then replace it with some fresh grass <laughs> and then got the little tool out to just make sure it all blended in again. So you couldn't even see that someone had made a divot on the par three. Right. Because that wasn't going to be the tee box of the tournament. It was just like, that's, <laughs> that's full on. The guy comes out with a box of freshly repaired divots, divot fills. Yeah. Unbelievable. Insane. Yep. They're insane um, we can talk about the masters all, all yeah, literally all day, but I want to. I'm definitely going to um, get you and maybe uh, Pat to come and do a bit of a chat because I want to hear a bit about the course and also just when you were catting some stories and you got to play. How many times have you played it? 
I played it twice uh, on caddy day, uh, both years that I was a caddy. So it's a lot, it's a lot different. Pat's played it once as a guest of a member. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we'd be happy to talk about that. We could talk about yeah. it all day. Got some good stories too. Oh, I definitely would like to hear that. Yeah. Um, what we're going to do now is a little bit, little segment that we call lucky sevens. Now I'm literally got seven questions for you. Now I'm going to mix a couple up because some of them just won't work for you. And some of them are going to be very different to, I think some of the, uh, Aussie guests we've had so far, but it'll learn a little bit, a bit more about DB and his golf game more than anything else. Okay. Um, number one, easy one favorite, or hopefully it could be an easy one favorite golf course you've ever played. Listen, uh, it's actually not Augusta national. Uh, I know. I know which one it's going to be, but you got Hot take. Um, I, now, I love Augusta. It's obviously special, the historical relevance, whatever. But I played North Berwick West Links in Scotland last summer, um, and it was a spiritual golf experience. And pri- mainly because I, I played it twice in one day, I, the replay round was the spiritual, the most spiritual experience. I, I played it at sunset in Scotland in the summer. So, I mean, literally – uh, teed off at like 7 p.m. and was walking off of there at 10:30 p.m. 10:45 p.m. as the sun was setting over the over the west uh, the, the the whatever I can't remember what body of water it is right there but that place is absolutely magical and and just anything in Scotland um, is just hits different for me so it'd be North Berwick Westlinks that's a very good answer and we haven't had that answer yet but I did think you were going to run with that one um, the number one on the must playlist. Haven't been before. I mean, I think it's the same answer. Like, I just, anyone that's playing golf in Scotland, if you're near Edinburgh, if you're near, I mean, even if you're in St. Andrews, it's like an hour drive or maybe hour 15. There's just something about that place um, that you cannot, you, you just, you can't not, re-fall in love with golf or fall in love with i don't know i just i love scotland so much just being there and even even just saint andrews and the the town of saint andrews Mm -hmm. i just there's something about it you know i mean obviously augusta is awesome i've played some great courses here um but it's which which, what about one you haven't played before which one would you have at the top of list yeah Mm, I really want to play the, uh, I, I really want to go to Bandon, man. Like I, I've, I've seen yeah. some, and it kind of ties back to my, I, I just fell in love with Scotland Lynx golf last summer. And it's just so different from any sort of golf we play in the Southeast of, of the U S and, you know, I think Bandon is as close as I'm going to get to Scottish Lynx, you know, golf in the U S and I think they've done it the best. So I would love to go to Bandon and play any of those courses. Uh, I've never been, and it seems like it's getting harder and harder to get out there. Yeah, when you when you start organizing, let me know because I'll I'll definitely fly in for that. But the last time I checked, I think they booked out for like the next two years. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Now, how far flight is it from you? How long is the flight just to Bandon? Uh, Bandon's gonna be. I'd probably fly into maybe San Fran. And they're all LA. I mean, LA is 13 from Melbourne and then up okay. from there. So, okay. I mean, it's nothing's easy still as we we're talking before we recorded. Yeah. I mean, the, we flew to Dallas on this trip um, and it's 15, 16 hours into Dallas. Mind you, just for everyone listening and DB doesn't know this, it, it was a second time we did try to fly. So, we, we went to fly on this, um, on the Qantas flight out of Melbourne on Friday, Melbourne time. We got an hour and a half in and we had to turn around and go back because the radar wasn't working. And when we landed, we had to come back the next day and do it all again. So oh we did finally get here, but God. yeah, 
if a if a thirty hour door to door trip wasn't enough, we also had that on top, which was oh, which was good. That would send me. Oh my god! It wasn't. Bless it wasn't. It wasn't. Look, thankfully we're flying business, so at least it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watching the movie and and getting weighted on hand and foot made it a little bit more uh, bearable. Um, and this one here, I normally ask whether you want whether preference is on the Masters or the Open Championship, but I'm not going to ask that because I think you're going to be biased. I'm going to ask you a very different question. Americans love drinking go- um, on the golf course. We don't really do that in Australia. No the way. One drink that- no, we don't. The what? one thing, no, we don't. It's just not a thing. We it's such it's such a different mentality. We don't even cart girls like we don't. It's not really a thing in Australia at all. Wow, I would have never guessed that. I yeah. I thought you guys would be just absolutely sending them out there. Can, cans of Fosters? No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> just not a thing. It's we literally. You if you go to play when when you finally do get down there. Yeah, I um, yeah. It's literally normally you know, people just play for fun, but most people are playing. You know, some sort of club competition that day. Stableford never play stroke. It's normally quick quick pace of play, and yeah, Dang. get out of there, have a drink when you finish. Now, listen, I, I am not a big drinker on the golf course at all because I am I am one of those that if I get buzzed to a certain point, and I'm not even talking about like drunk, I'm talking about buzzed to a certain point, I I turn really bad. Like I cannot, I can't hit it. Um, it's I, I, the I've other gotten, way around. It's normally it, like the, the it, well, little buzz gets you better. For for a lot of people, I mean, I'm not saying, like, listen, member guesses next week, like, and and I'll be a little nervous because it's competition and, you know, you're not used to that. You're not playing, you know, a lot of that competition. And it means a lot to me. So, like, before I tee off, I'm going to have to have – I'm going to have a little something just to calm the nerves. But, I mean, I, I've I've played golf before just with buddies and had a cigar that got me a little too buzzed, and I was done. I mean, I look like – I look like a 50 handicap. So, I cannot I, – I can't – I have to control it. Usually for me, it's – the rule of thumb is either one liquor drink, a side, a nine – or two beers a nine max. And I don't always, yeah. I don't always do that. Now, Pat, Pat, I have to f- especially member guests because he's so uptight and he's so ridiculous and he's so, he's such a head case. Member guests, b- before we tee off at 10 a.m., I will have to feed him Bloody Mary's transfusions. He will have a, a BAC of like 0.09. <laughs> before we hit a for our first tee shot and he'll have to like maintain a certain level to be able to do that 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 blows my mind that you guys aren't big into that because i mean aussies uh, I feel like aussies you're just you're all you're all just big drinkers it's it's true it's well, well yeah especially on on tour yeah everyone's normally drinking but yeah no not on the golf course we did actually it's good that you mentioned it because we saw a few guys ordering transfusions yesterday and no one at the table except for me knew what they were, and I only know because of you. So, can you tell people what is in a transfusion? Well, the transfusion was made famous by Augusta National. I mean, when I was caddying there, everybody thinks you know the the damn foreplay guys over at Barstool made it famous. They did not. When I was caddying in 0708, it was the drink at Augusta National in the spring and summer. It's a good spring summer drink. Uh, by definition, it is a good vodka. It is ginger ale. And it is Welch's grape juice. So it's it's mainly vodka ginger with just a splash of grape juice. Can't have too much grape juice. And if you're in the South or if you're in the States, Welch's grape juice is the only acceptable kind. If you bring in any any other kind, you're you're a, you're a traitor. Um, now and then and then a squeeze of lime. Now I will say, Karidi, I have evolved. Um, 
because I, I used to be a big vodka drinker. And, and a couple of years ago, I just actually a caddy friend of mine on tour, Aaron Fleener, uh, caddies for JT Poston, got me really into tequilas. And so now I do what I, what I call a Mexican tranny. And so it's a transfusion, but it's Reposado tequila instead of vodka. Same blend. I think they both sound, they all sound. I'm going to have good. a transfusion this afternoon. We didn't have one yesterday. Uh, we yeah. do have an event this, this evening for welcome drinks. Um, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to ease into it with, um, a transfusion because nice. we don't sorry to just keep breaking hearts here but we don't really do grape juice in australia either so it's, yeah i i, literally I had to never, look it up the welch is what it was and i'm like yeah we don't have anything <laughs> like that in australia at all no i, I don't drink it at all like I, I never it's so full of sugar so i mean you know if i got to keep this you know if i got to keep this girlish figure i, I gotta avoid the the welch's grape yeah. juice yep no I'm with you there except in transfusions the next question, what is your preference, striping the drive or flushing the irons? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so you, you literally can just pound on the drive. You barely feel that ball hit the center of the face of that driver. It's gone. Yeah. It's straight and long or pretty much that same feeling. Like you've almost hit a Nerf ball. You've flushed the irons so good. It's just like flying into that flag. I think, the, I think there's a better – I was actually just talking to my son about this, the one that just made the hole in one. I was actually just talking to him about like the 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 reason people get addicted, I think at first to golf is that feeling in their hands when they flush one. And it's like a split second. I mean, I mean, I can't even imagine the millisecond that it is, but it, whatever that feeling is, you want it like a drug when you get yep. it, right? And so I actually think I feel that more with an iron but if I could just wave a wand and have one happen more than the other, for me, it would be the driver because a driver is quite erratic. And that's what keeps me in the, uh, that's what keeps my handicap higher than I would like it to be. If I could figure out a way to, to hit them a little straighter, that would be, uh, that would be better for my game. But just that feeling, that sensation, I think there's yeah. nothing like striping a good iron shot. Okay. Um, we're, we're agreed on that on, on irons as well. Yeah. Um, putting pin in or pin out um i kind of you know what's weird i kind of go back and forth uh it's very weird i'm not a i don't care i ultimately so i ultimately i don't think i care i think it's yep. just i kind of feel it actually the last few rounds i've been playing i feel like i've been actually when i'm putting well maybe that's what i've noticed you're helping me right now i'm on the i'm on the couch <laughs> i'm on Kareedy's couch figuring this out i had a putting lesson a few weeks ago and that's and my putting has gotten better and I think the more confident I am with the putter, the more I like it out. So I've noticed yep. the last couple of rounds, I've taken it out. When I'm not as confident, for some reason, the visual or the the feeling of like, well, if it's you know slamming towards the center of the hole at warp speed and I need it to stop, maybe the flag will do do better for that. But yeah, um, ultimately, I don't care. So if I'm playing with people that care and they're like, gotta have it out, I don't care. In Australia, it's especially on club comps, it's common on the first like literally the first green everyone's like you know are you like it's like asking sexual preference it's like very direct like <laughs> is the flag in or is it out for you and everyone either if you get a full set that's happy with that out it's like it's it's unbelievable so i have to have the flag out inside of about six feet otherwise i just yeah i literally the hole looks smaller than than normal but other than that i don't care yeah yeah i can totally in, in, uh empathize with that for sure it, it does feel weird when it's that close yeah 
I, I end up part of, uh, I say this everywhere, but I end up parting for the gap between the flag and the edge of the hole. Like mm. I'm just, and I'm not a good putter anyway. So that's, uh, that doesn't help. Um, now, are you a dew sweeper or half sets and sunsets? Are you out in the morning or you prefer the afternoon round? No. <sighs> Dude, I I would prefer to I would prefer to be a morning. I mean, Augusta is hot as balls, dude. A lot. Yeah, we it is hot, and as much yes, I've grown up here my whole life. I mean, you know, I mean, Australia's hot. Yeah. So summer. Well, as much as I've grown up around it, it's just I still every July and August, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? It's it's also a hundred percent humidity, and so I will do my best to find a way to go out early. Um, so I would probably prefer that. It's, I don't know what the temperature is in Miami today in, in Fahrenheit. It's for the Aussie listeners, it's 30, I think it's 32, 33, but it's like a hundred percent humidity. It's like brutal. It's really, really hot. Is it humid there as well? Oh, I remember God. when we went to the masters, it was really humid. That's it, like obviously April. Here because there's also zero breeze. Like I, I say this all the time. The only time there is ever a hint of wind in augusta georgia is the first full week in april i swear to you we don't ever get a breath of wind any other time of the year ever so you know like i got like pats in savannah which is also a hundred percent humidity all the time but he's on the coast and so you at least get a breeze here zero breeze no air movement 100 degrees 100 percent humidity F you for two months of the year. It's the worst. Yeah. I think uh, Gator like, communities, they probably sort it all out for Pat. Let's make sure it's all all good all the time. But also, I can play golf in all of November, all of December. Yeah. Occasional weeks in January and first part of February and by like late February, I'm good. So, you know, that's nice. It's the same in Melbourne. So, we, yeah, we don't have like a lot of, States in the US, you obviously have a, have a down season where you can't play because of snow or whatever it is, but Australia, we don't get that. So, yeah, yeah. you play golf all year round, um, which is which is obviously a benefit. Uh, last question before we get on to the Ryder Cup. So, what's your, have you got a favorite golf memento or keepsake? It can be in your bag. It could be behind you. Like, what what's the one thing when you think about the best thing you've had in, that you've got over the years that you just could never give up? Dang, that's for, a good for, for anyone listening, like... DB's got a wall behind him of like amazing flags and um, all sorts of stuff. So if you do interact with the Tool Junkies podcast or any of the visuals, you'll be able to see it. Bro, I hate it that you, it's literally this. the screen is cut off. Just You can see the player's bib above yep. me. Yeah. Right right above that is is Bowditch. That's that's Baudos. That's, that's the caddy bib. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or when I caddied for him for two holes at the player's. And I don't think I could say that's my favorite, but it's probably top five. Also, over here, I've got a pair of uh, never-been-worn uh, original Air Force One Jordan golf uh, golf shoes that are like worth like three grand right now. Also, still not my favorite. I, it's probably one of two things, and I won't tell the whole story because we'd be on this podcast again for hours. And cue this up for the Masters. Yeah. Caddied for Arnold Palmer at Augusta National one time in 08. And he he was the kindest man ever. He agreed to take a picture with the with the three or four caddies on 18T when he when that was not encouraged. Um, and he agreed to sign a scorecard for all four caddies when that was also not encouraged. 
So I have the picture and I have the, the signature and I have that day where I was with Arnie. Um, that was very memorable and, and very valuable to me. Second, very opposite situation. Um, caddying at Augusta National Masters Week, the, the Augusta National caddies go to Augusta Country Club where you, where you were, where you and I had yep. our rendezvous there. And we four caddy at the Augusta Country Club during that week because obviously we're not needed at the Masters. And I was able to four caddy for Will Ferrell um, in 07. And I mean, I, I love the guy and it was a very memorable experience for a lot of reasons, but uh, I'll, I'll tease the story. And if you have me back on and we tell stories, I'll tell the full story and I'll even bring it out. It's literally in my safe. I have a ridiculously stupid golf ball from Will Ferrell that has a pink smiley face on it that he dubbed Super Ball and told me to keep it and hang on to it. And I've had it since 07. It's in my safe. There you go. That's yeah. definitely, it's funny though, man. Whenever I ask that question, it's amazing where people's brains go to and, and what's important to them. And everything is so different. Like sometimes it's a head cover. One of the guys, Matt, he had a, an old hickory um, uh, that he carries. He doesn't carry around. Obviously it's home. And then some people have something simple like, um, one of the guys that makes the big dog golf head covers, he had just a, a picture pair from a golf course that he went to in, in France and everyone's got something such so different. It's just really interesting when you, when you get people talking about it, which is good. Yeah. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I also have behind me these flags that are hanging up. We do these yeah, that. flag bets. Have you, have you heard of the flag bet, Mike? No, I need to tell you about this and your listeners. Do it. So a couple of years ago, my buddy introduced this to me and I've, I've done it ever since. And I love it. Instead of playing your buddies for money, when you go to some special course or whatever, maybe it's a home and away, you play their course, they come play your course, whatever. It can happen anywhere. Instead of playing for money, which you're going to get their money, you're going to spend their money. You're going to forget about it. You play for a flag from that course. It's like a scalp. Think of it like the old, you know, I don't even know yeah. if they cancel for that, but like you, you get a scalp back in the day. Um, and on the flag, when, when you lose the flag, the flag match, that person has to take a Sharpie and they have to write on the flag. So they go buy the flag from the pro shop. They write on the flag, a sincere, sincere, not a smart ass, a sincere message about the day on the on the golf course, about how well their opponent did about losing the match, lose, you know, write your message gracefully and honorably and sign and date it. And then you present it to your, your, your mate um, over, uh, over a post-round beer or dinner that night or whatever. So when we were in Scotland, we did flag matches every course we played. Of course, me and Pat had a flag match at the old course at St. Andrews. And, uh, of course, I beat his ass. And so I have a, I have a, flag, a flag back there from Pat. And, and actually, for all, the, for all the grief I give him, Pat is a very sentimental person and he, and he actually has a way with words when he's sober and thinking about it. And he wrote an amazing piece on that flag that literally, if I read it right now, I would, I would choke up because he just, he had a way with words and he, he did it in a very pat way. It's a little, it's a, it's got a couple little jabs in there, but overall it's a beautiful thing that he wrote and I'll never forget that day and playing that with him and, realizing that like tour junkies got us to this point and we played the old course a month before the 150th open championship with the leaderboard and the bleachers up um that is also very special to me that's uh that's a great idea i think um yeah i was lucky enough 
I was lucky enough to play uh, Royal Melbourne just a few couple of months ago, and I bought it. I'd never bought. I've been there, you know, half a dozen times, ten times, but never bought a flag from there. And I just I just saw them, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to buy one of those. So I bought a West Coast West Course flag, um, which is now sitting at home. But I do like that idea of um, getting someone to describe how badly I beat them. Imagine, like, if if you came here again and you come and I host you a Champions Retreat, right? Like, how cool would it be for you to have? To, to beat me on my own home course yeah. and take that home with you. And, you know, you put that up and you never forget that day, right? And you got the message and it commemorates it. That's way better than, you know, playing, you know, 50 bucks Nassau or something. That's the other thing. Aussies don't really do betting on the golf course that much. It's yeah. it's just not a – no, I know. It's just... I thought you were a bunch of degenerates out there. You were just like us <laughs> drinking. No, and... like when you guys talk about Nassau's and, and um, the dot playing for – it's like, it's a whole other language. We we will play Stableford, which it's uh, you, Americans don't. I don't think play too much of it. Um, it's off handicaps. You're just playing for two points a hole. You want to get to thirty six. Um, bogey gets you one point. Double gets you nothing. Birdies get you three, and so on. But it's yeah, that's about all we do. And we might play you know money each nine, and then overall, and that's about it. There, there's nothing more than it than that to it. Most for most of the time, anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. Would have never guessed. No, who would have guessed? Aussies not drinking and um, not gambling. I mean, we we do a lot of both, but just not not on the golf course. Well, I do um, tell home club because, like, I will I will not get in the big 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 money stuff. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I bet plenty of money. Yeah, on professional golfers, and I spend a lot of time analyzing these dudes. I would way rather trust my own damn money on them than myself. Oh yeah. Definitely, I'm the same. There's uh, the only game I've ever played that I, I did really well was a, again 10, 15 years ago. Some mates and I one's a, one loves having a bet, and we played ten dollars a hole skins. Um, I think I won fifteen holes plus two closest to the pins. Oh, and the boys, we've never played a game shockingly <laughs> because that was it. No one, no one wanted to play a game, and I wasn't, I wasn't sandbagging anybody. It's just, I just had a good day. Yeah, and then and then if you did the flag match, the worst they're out is like thirty bucks and some pride. You know what I mean? Flag, yeah. So I do like it. I do like it. Well, uh, most courses are starting to get them. The top tier courses you can buy flags, but the the, the it, generic ones don't have. But that's fine. I've got one of you can't see it, but I got there was a course I played recently that didn't have flags, so I made the guy and I beat him. I made him get a towel. They had a towel, and he wrote on the oh, yeah. towel. Yeah, yeah, something like that's fine too. Okay, so the main event, the Ryder Cup. So you're going to be the man that's going to talk to me about the USA. Um, so I'll just give everyone at home a bit of a rundown. So Marco Simeone, course in Rome, Italy. There'll be lots of very good food eaten for these guys over the next week. Uh, past 71. So they played the Italian Open here the last three years. Uh, Adrian Moronk, who was a bit unlucky to miss the Euro team, has won here. Rob, Rob McIntyre has won and he's made the team, and Nikolai Hoygaard. Um, other guys that are on the European team that are that are going to be there that played pretty well, Fitz, Rory, and Fleetwood all had pretty good finishes over those three years when they played. Um, when I interviewed Moronk a little while ago, I heard him talk about making sure that you're hitting him from the right directions and approaches and just making sure you're accurate off the tee because in particular this week, it sounds like that rough's going to be up. First question for you, DB, any, anything that you've been hearing about the course or anything else that's been different to what most are talking about? No. And I and I don't, I don't think any of it matters. I think it's all noise until a couple things start to happen. I think 
Europe is, has proven to be quite intelligent in setting up their golf courses. They've got, you know, the brain trust of Ed, Edo Molinari out there and his super brain, um, you know, analyzing all the data and all the stats and all the core stuff. And I just don't think they're going to show their hand early. So like, if you think that however it's set up right now is how it's going to be set up, then you're probably, I don't know, like I've, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I preface all of this with saying in 2018, me and Pat made the trip to Paris uh, for the for the Ryder Cup at Le Golf National. We were also on site in 2016 at Hazeltine. And to be there in Le Golf National and see our team on paper that year was so freaking stacked, so much better than what Europe had. Way more stacked for U.S. than it is right now. Yeah. And we got our dicks punched in the entire <laughs> time and it wasn't even close. I mean, t- you remember that like Fleetwood and Molly just thumping everyone, no one on us playing well, including Tiger Woods, except for Justin Thomas. Um, it was an absolute disaster. And I just, I was, I'm very scarred from that, from that experience. So like I completely trust Luke Donald and Europe, to have it figured out and have it dialed in. And I think pontificating on it early is probably a, a, a useless endeavor. No, I'm with you there. I think, of- uh, I think it's just going to be one of those ones where, like you said, I think everyone's just seeing the rough and just going, right, this is the way it's going to work. But I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just, I, I can't wait to, I can't wait to start watching it. It's not for Melbourne, Melbournians and anyone in Australia. It is a difficult watch because it is on middle of the night the majority of it but um, I'm sure most of us will be able to watch yeah I mean and I will say this it does seem like the teams in terms of their players and their skill sets are pretty evenly matched I mean you know the golf national you, you knew I mean they had that place so damn picture perfect for kind of that precision accuracy type player and their team was kind of built that way as opposed to our team was like this brute force strength outside of like maybe Webb Simpson and somebody else I'm probably forgetting. But this year, I mean, you know, Europe's got bombers too. Like they, they have just as many bombers and brute force guys as, as the U S does. So I don't, I just don't think it's going to be as lopsided necessarily. I just think the, the European guy in terms of setup, I just think the European guys are going to be, extremely well prepared and and more knowledgeable about that course is obviously it's hosted the Italian open and a lot of them have played it. And a lot of them have already have spent more time over there. And the, the data side of things is obviously going to be probably in their favor. So, um, but, but I, I think it's, I think the types of players on both teams are pretty similar, especially compared to 2018. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. I think, especially like you said, the bombers, I mean, Rory and Victor playing on the European team who absolutely send it. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's have just as many senders as we do. Oh yeah. The um before we run through the players without super in depth stuff, just need to clear something up. It's not the only reason I got you on because I wanted to get you on anyway. But one of the reasons why it was good to get you on is in in Australia it is difficult to find someone who's going to be pro the US team. But you know we as Australians we love underdogs, and I think like the majority of the rest of the world, we will all cheer for Europe to beat the U S yeah. what, what is your, what would you like to say to that statement? Mm, I gotta be careful here. 
Well, <clears throat> I, since it's out on record already, if you follow uh, the tour junkies on Instagram, a couple months ago, I mean, literally two months ago, I was just like, I wonder what the Ryder Cup odds are. And I was looking at the teams and I was thinking about who was going to be on the team and who was qualifying. And I looked at the top like six to eight players on both teams. And I was like, there's very little difference. Very little difference. When you start looking at what, you know, obviously Rory, Rom, uh, uh, Tommy, Hatton, yep. uh, Hovland, what those guys, Fitzpatrick, what those guys have done this year and how consistent they've been. I started looking, I was like, there's really not a difference. I look at the odds, Europe's two to one. This was like two months ago. So I did a video and it's on Instagram. You can look it up. And I was like, listen, I'm all in favor of US, right? America, go America. But I'm also a, a gambler and two to one was very juicy. And I was like, I would hit this because these, these teams are not this unmatched. I mean, may, may, uh, unevenly matched. Maybe the depth, you know, at that point we were far out. From, I mean, Brian Harmon hadn't even won the Open yet. You know, maybe we didn't understand where the depth was going to fall. And I would have probably said the U.S. is probably going to end up with a deeper team. But, you know, sometimes there's some surprises. And then I just watched the line drift. And right before Hovland won the BMW, I did another video and I did an update. I was like, now it's like plus 165 Europe. Still like it. Um, then Hovland wins and it goes quickly to 150. And then it goes quickly to 130. And now it's like plus 125. Um, I, I hand up, I have placed a, a bet on Europe. So I'm, maybe I'm a Benedict Arnold, Arnold here for, for the <laughs> Americans who know their history. Um, but that doesn't matter. Like, I'm still going to cheer for the U.S. And Pat is very upset with me that I've done that. He's, he's, he's already called me out for that. But I'm still cheering for the U.S. 100%. I mean, I'm wearing this ridiculous shirt. And I, I'm pulling for the U.S. But... I saw an opportunity in some extremely good, you know, positive EV on the betting market and threw it down. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I think, I just think that the U.S. winning for the first time in 30 years on European tour soil would feel like a great story. And I just, I'm not convinced that if you like pulling for the underdog, I guess by technical definition in the betting markets, we are, but I don't think we are. So I think we're actually not the, I, I think we are the underdog in this scenario. I do. No one's buying that. There's no way. Everyone's going to be all, all over Europe. And, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of um, European descents, descendants in Australia too. So, I mean, obviously with my surname ending in a vowel, yeah. there'll be lots. But thirty years of going to of going to Europe with on paper a far better team, and it still never happened. And I and and I look at this European team, and it is way stronger than it has been in recent years. And it's to me, it, it is arguably the top eight on both sides are equal, if not, I give a slight edge to Europe. Mm. Uh, the one thing I looked at, and we'll run through a couple of players, but I the one thing that I noticed the most of is right now the numbers say the putting on the US team. There's a lot of guys that seem to be just not not finding the putter. Like they're just obviously Scotty Sheffield's been one that everyone's talked about all year, but even guys like Cantlay have had a little dip in the last the last sort of end of this season that their, their putter's not there now. Obviously the grass is going to be different. There's been a million things that are going to interact. They've had time off practicing all sorts of stuff, but 
yeah, that's probably the one thing that I'll be really, really interested, especially with Scotty, how many putts get given. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're playing against Scotty, I don't know that I would give away too many putts for sure. Um, but I, I think the putting thing is a little overplayed in in match play, in Ryder Cups, because, I mean, of course, it, it is the thing that, you know, I mean, it, it's it's the thing that ends ev- virtually every hole in terms of somebody, you know, dropping one and, and, and making it and fist pumping because they won a point or because they, they pushed a hole they were looking like they were going to lose. But I, I think the... I mean, if I remember correctly, what Tommy and Francesco did to everybody in 2018 was they just tee to greened everybody's ass to death. And just that's what they did. I don't remember them making everything under the sun in in France. They, they They just didn't make mistakes, and they just bored their opponents to tears, and they never made mistakes, and they got up and down in opportunities they needed to get up and down, and it was just consistent, boring, ball striking, that's what, death by a million cuts with that. Like we all remember, and I was on site that day and Sunday at Hazeltine with like Reed and Rory going at it and like all the putts dropping and all that makes for good drama. But I think ultimately when you, when you zoom out and you look at the whole thing, what's going to matter is T to green. And if you look at the U S team, pretty strong, like understatement of the year, it's, it's ridiculous. Especially again, especially Scotty, like Scotty's year this year, Cam, um, Scotty Cameron, Scotty Sheffield's year this year has been unbelievable yeah. for that. And he's going to be, he's going to be a weapon. So he's the first one we'll have a quick chat about. So obviously, yeah, ball striking uh, is there, is never obviously going to miss his team. Is there, like we talked about it very briefly, but with the putter, is there, my, my big fear for Scotty's mental health is, someone doesn't give him a putt on the first or second hole from like three feet and it doesn't touch the sides. I I'll think rep- he's done. He misses it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he, he's, he's 2-0-1. That's his Ryder Cup record so far. Uh, yeah. He's taken it deep in the match play, the Dell match play. He played well the President's Cup. I mean, um, I, I think that I think that Scotty's going to probably perform pretty well despite the putting woes if he does have the putting woes having the experience of ted scott on the bag who's uh, been in a lot of Ryder cup situations is only going to help him um and i think you know a lot's been talked about with sam burns and i I don't think sam burns should have been the pick but if he's playing with sam which everyone expects him to do they're boys they're you know if if i were gonna play with i mean like i have i have a buddy here in town who i always just play better with because he's just he puts me in a better space. He knows me, he knows my game. You know, if we're playing a game against somebody else or a competition, he can he can get me where I need to be mentally. Pat sucks at that. Um, so there's just guys that are just better than that than others, and and maybe that's what's going to help Scotty. I, I'm not I'm not worried about Scotty. I'm just not. I agree with you though. If he's a three footer on the first hole, everybody's gonna be like, oh shit. Yeah, and look, I'm sure that the European crowd will be just really nice. No one will be mentioning his putting. No one will you know if he misses something. No one will carry on. I, I get so sick of when we were there in 2018 we got tr- mistreated a ton and and i'm not talking about just the players i'm talking about me and pat for yeah. being u.s guys right like so i was there in 2016 and everybody you know the, the 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 pompous european fans who just act like they never misbehave on the golf course i mean god look at what the guy said to brian Harmon at the at the open championship, like get a life. Oh yeah. It's going to be plenty of that. So our guys obviously have to be prepared for that. And I think they will be. Yeah. Look, uh, hand up 
uh, President's Cup was obviously at Royal Melbourne not that long ago and right after Patrick Reed had some issues with the bunker and I remember quite clearly Aussie crowds are great crowds but they were asking if he if he'd had a, a shovel in the bag so it, it does happen <laughs> yeah listen I'm actually for it dude I'm, I mean you know we're in the content game man like I oh, yeah I need it I just wouldn't do it myself personally I'm not a I'm not a trash talker to professional golfer on the golf course guy <laughs> no I'm more still speechless at when I see you know I still the the one when I see the guys play and just hit a golf ball I'm more speechless because I know that I'm not playing the same sport now I'm a single figure handicapper for 10 years I'm not a not an amazing golfer but I'm certainly not a bad golfer I still remember standing on the 18th tee at, at the national watching John Rahm hit a drive and I think my head literally fell off my shoulders at the flight at this ball taking off. I didn't know someone could hit it that far with that short backswing. And I was just like, no, this is, I don't play the same sport. A little corridor window on 18. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next man up, Xander Shoffley, obviously never going to miss this team. Um, I was shocked this year. The one thing I noticed, obviously, again, being in the States and watching golf this weekend and get a little bit and watching television, we don't get all the golf commercials that you get here. Um, mentioning Xander. Xander won, he's won a couple of times in the last sort of year. It feels like he hasn't won at all. Yeah, I think Xander just is a is perpetually a little bit under the radar and underrated because he's not a very flashy guy. He's not super personal, uh, personable. Um, he's not a Max Homa type that everybody's following around yeah. and love. You know, he's not active on social media. In fact, his social media game is god awful. Um, so I just think he's just a he's just a guy, but he's just a really good guy, like a good player. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, three one and zero in in Ryder Cup history. Um, I think he's going to be fantastic. I think him and Cantlay are going to uh, are are going to be a strong combination. They've obviously proven to be that. I call them the disgusting brothers. For those of you who watched, um, uh, possession. The pop- Secession. Yep. I, I think they're the disgusting brothers. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not worried at all about Xander or Cantley. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Scotty. It's just those those two can just ball strike you to death. Cantley's total driving ability, Xander's total driving ability is going to be a weapon on any course. Um, and so I, I got no concerns about those two. I think they're going to be a powerhouse team. And I think yeah, I, I think I think match play stuff like this, Ryder Cup President's Cup, is the and we've seen it. It's like Outside of maybe a major, it's the only time we see these two guys really get fired up and like show a little bit of emotion on the golf course. But we've seen it out of both of them. It's in there, and I think they really care. Yeah, I definitely. When I think of Xander, I can see it. Patrick Cantlay, like, God, he's just he's just the most boring person on earth. Oh, he's amazing at golf. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, it is good to see these guys. It's the best thing about the Ryder Cup. It's the best thing about about this event and the guys caring because they truly care. Like it's not. I'm not going to go into the live rant, but it's not like the team golf of live. It's not, it's different to everything else. It's just these, these guys truly, truly, truly want to win this for the team. Cause there's, there's not, there's nothing individual about it. Um, right. And seeing him get excited about it is so good. Agree. Um, so the Pad- Paddy Cantlay agree. I think, I think those two are going to be, um, yeah, they're going to play together all weekend. Uh, and yeah, then we'll come down to how they go in, in the singles. And it'll be interesting again. We don't, obviously you can't read that far ahead, but who's going to play who, but, um, we've got no idea, but yeah, I think Cantley. It's very similar to Xander. I agree. Um, Colin Morikawa, probably another one that's been a little bit this year. I think he's probably the one guy that I think gets 
estimated as a guy that we just expect to win all the time because he's really good and he won two majors early. So then it's like, well, he just should be winning majors. And because he's not, he's just not playing well, which is just not true. Like he's still been playing exceptional golf. 100%. I mean, I I, I don't have worries on Cantley either. Um, I mean, on, on Morikawa either. Uh, the, the driving ability, that the precision iron play, it's the same thing. It's just bore you to death with the ball striking. Uh, I think he's got a 3-0-1 record. Um, I, I'm... I'm curious. I, I I could see him. Uh, he's probably going to play with Max Homa. You got the what? Do, what do they call themselves? Which the the Homa Kawa team at the Zurich Classic earlier in the summer, which was a, uh, and then they did it. They 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 put it on the back of a Dodgers jersey and took the picture together at like a a a, a gay like uh like a gay adoption announcement. They were having a baby or something. It was, <laughs> um, you know the two cowboys. Cali boys, I think they're going to mesh well and and be a, a great team. Morikawa having at least one Ryder Cup under his belt uh, is going to be good with Max. Um, mm. I, I think that's going to be another super strong team. Yeah, Max is one that I think started the year strong as he does. West Coast guy always plays well out there. Won um, Fortnet last year before this week, obviously. Uh, sort of dipped away. Had his first child. Obviously, lots of things happen in life outside of that. He's his game did sort of dip away a little bit. Not not like, say, uh, Justin Thomas's game has, but he sort of was definitely under the radar. But he seems to have found a little bit the last month at least, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very hopeful. I mean, very positive outlook on Max Home. I mean, he played great in the playoffs, obviously played well here in Napa um, just this past week as we're recording this. So I, I think I think Home was dialed, and, and he is uh, – I he's going to be as much of a – Team USA locker room kind of just absolute patriot maniac on this team as anybody could be, whether it's Justin Thomas. We can talk about the guys on this team who are, you know, just prototypical Team America kind of guys, Captain America kind of guys, if you will, a la Patrick Reed. Like, I think Homa could be that guy, could emerge from this as that guy on the whole, on the whole squad. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, God, he's talked so much about wanting to make this team and just i know he he he's just looked forward to it for so long and obviously playing so well he, he was obviously going to always get there um but once it finally got announced and he knew he was going to be there i'm sure he was super excited and yeah i can see him being very very much team he doesn't sound like the sort of guy he's not that alpha peacock guy that's going to walk around as right. the leader but he's going to be right there as a part of the team i think for sure like really like pushing Bry- everyone. bryson to you know two years ago very much an America guy, right? Like hmm. you felt the patriotism, the the team, you know, wanting to represent his country, all this stuff, but not a team guy, like not, not a guy who a lot of the other guys click with, not a, you know, definitely a guy that rubs other guys the wrong way. Um, kind of a off-putting personality to a lot of these hmm. boys. Um, so that was different, right? Like he, he had one side of it, but he didn't really have the other side of it. Whereas Max has it yeah. all. Uh, and and yeah, like you said, finding form late through the playoffs is certainly not going to hurt. Yep. Wyndham Clark, uh, he's he just probably is one that not a lot of people outside of the states really knew a lot about this year before winning a major. I think um, I, I listened outside of listening to Tour Junkies, I listened to I was going to say Gravy in the Sleeves, but uh, Subpar as well, and they're obviously pretty tight with those guys. Um, I'm really, really interested to see how he plays. He sort of, he gained, just been a nice even into the season. Hasn't been anything spectacular. Two wins overall for the season. But um, 
really truly looking forward to how how he sort of goes in under the big bright lights i guess yeah i i, I think wyndham clark is i think wyndham clark's an alpha and i could see him you get you got sam burns brian Harmon, max homa wyndham clark i don't think i miss anybody making their their first Ryder cup appearance on us and i just think that clark could be low key. I don't know if there's, I don't see any markets out for it yet here in the U S but if you had a market that was like top scoring American rookie, um, I would imagine Homa might be your favorite. And I could see a Wyndham Clark being a sneaky guy to be that dude at the end of the week. I think Wyndham Clark's game translates anywhere. You talk about a guy who has the ball striking package, hits it a mile and puts the eyes out of it. Uh, and I just think he's going to revel this op- you know, in this opportunity. So I, I'm very, very high on Wyndham Clark's first Ryder Cup appearance. I think uh, I'm with you. I think looking at those odds and when those markets do come up, which I'm not sure if they're posted in Australia. I, I can't access my accounts being in the States now. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. Once we get a handle on that day one uh, lineup, then we can get a handle on what we think might happen to the amount of games they're going to play and it'll help us assess those points. And then we can have a think about that. It's definitely something that I want to look at. Um, rookie rookie point scorers. If, if you're looking at the team, who do you, who do you see them with? Um, Wyndham Clark's a tricky one. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I put him down with Harmon. Um, I, it's more than anything else. I just had a real, real, right. If I had to put these guys together, I think everyone's going to put... Scheffler and Burns, Cantlay, Shoffley, Homer, Morikawa all make sense. And then Spieth and Thomas just handcuffed together. Kind of these four guys. I mean, I know it doesn't work that way. They're not going off in, in six yeah. sets. But yeah, Clark and Harmon match up. I think, I think um, yeah, probably one that would, would fit each other reasonably well. Probably a little bit um, not under the radar, but might be one that sort of people aren't expecting to sort of play well, but both might, both kind of had a game that could suit well here. Both Titleist golf ball guys, which I think is is important. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Clark hits it way longer, but both putt, you know, extremely good putters. And I think maybe something. Sometimes there's, you you could think about pairing a rookie with a veteran. Um, so I could see like a Wyndham Clark, Kepka pairing or a Clark Fowler yeah. pairing or something. But at the same time, there there there's also something to like just putting two rookies together and being like, hey. You know, you guys are both going to be like in this together, feeling the same things, experiencing the same things for the first time. Go out there and get a damn point when no one expects you to get a damn point. And it's kind of like yeah. you, you and that dude against the world situation, and you're you're just getting in it together. Um, so I could kind of see that working out too. I agree. I think uh, I'm not sure how if it relates to the same with sports here in the states, but. I know in Australia, quite often, if you get the 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 A team that plays the B team, the B team's trying that little bit harder, and and quite often gets the win just because they want it. They're there to want it. They're, they're not they're not expecting anything, so they're going to go out there and maybe not try that little bit more, but yeah, certainly just not leave anything out there. Agree. Uh, next up, we've got Richard Flower. Literally the resurrection of Christ. This guy is just—he's come from nowhere. I, I don't know. I don't remember what I did look up a while ago. There we go. Yeah, he's 150th in the world, not that long ago. Yeah, now he's playing a Ryder Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's been so exciting to see Ricky do his thing, man. Uh, I'm I'm pumped to see him back in the Ryder Cup. He doesn't have a great Ryder Cup record. I mean, he's been a part of 
the 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 side of the the U.S. Ryder Cups getting their brains beat in. Uh, he's three seven and five <coughs> overall in the Ryder Cups, but uh, you know plenty of experience and. The, I mean, you can't argue with the ball striking this year and the putting. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. kind of the total package. He's not the young stud hitting it past everybody anymore, but he's not short. He's he's long enough anywhere, and, and this course doesn't demand super length. And I think the other benefit to him is he could just pair with anybody. I mean, there, there's yeah. literally nobody on this team that he couldn't play with. And so, you know – if JT now JT's flashed some form here in Napa, but if JT comes out and he's kind of rusty again and not playing great, and Spieth needs to get paired with somebody else, you can put him with Fowler or vice versa. Or if, you know, Fowler could play with literally anybody on this team, and everybody's good. So um, I see Ricky playing a good bit, and uh, I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be awesome for Team USA. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I I, I can see exactly what you said happening. Um, look, JT, I'd love to see JT have a good Ryder Cup. He's one of my favorite golfers. He's obviously had a poor, poor season this year, um, but I agree. I think that he's a perfect fit to to, to go out with um, Ricky Fowler is with with um, Spieth if JT doesn't start well. But again, like you said, put him with anybody. He's everyone's friend. He's not going to uh, rustle ruffle any feathers, which will be um, yeah a good a good person to have. It's all tool fit for everybody. Yep. Brian Harmon, the man who. I won't say put everyone to sleep at the Open Championship, but when the golf's on in Australia and literally the leaders tee off at 11 p.m. and it finishes at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and when you're praying for something exciting to happen, it did make it rough. It was really rough. It was rough over here too. I mean, I I didn't – hand up, I didn't watch a lot of it on Sunday. So um, you got two Georgia Bulldogs on Mm. on each team here, Karidi. Uh, with Brian Harmon and, and Sepp Straka. Sepp Straka, yeah. Southern talking Austrian representing Team Europe. <clears throat> um, and Harmon is just that. Like, Harmon is a little bulldog. He, and he showed it, you know. He's, he's not an intimidating dude by any, by any means. I've actually met him in person, and he is shorter than you could imagine. He yeah. is a tiny, tiny person. And, um, but he, you know, dude... I could see him doing a Francesco Molinari thing here, right? Like that's the comp. I could see him being our twenty, you know, our the the twenty eighteen Le Golf National version of Francesco, which I want to say I think that was Francesco's one and only Ryder Cup, which is kind of crazy to think about. I think, yeah. So I think it would be right, yeah. Making his rookie debut as a as a a kind of a, a journeyman veteran, right? Kind of like Brian Harmon's doing. Won, won a major, won the Open Championship late in his career, like Brian Harmon did, and then went out and found the right pairing with Tommy Ladd and boat raced everybody. And just is not intimidating, but he's just going to play boring golf, and he's going to make putts, and he's just a he's a bulldog, man. He is a bulldog. I, I Obviously a big fan of Brian Harmon, but he's not going to intimidate anybody on the first tee, that's for sure. No, no. Oh, well, if it's a if it's something where he's got to hit a fairway, he might be impressive all week. That's because I think he's that that guy. He's got that accuracy. He's like you said, he's not long. He's not going to be um, pulling out driver and, and pounding it past guys. But he's gonna he's gonna give you the slow bleed with a million little cuts in the middle of the fairway. So again, I don't think he's going to play heaps. Um, but yeah, I think I could see him him going pretty well just because I think his game's going to fit, especially if well, like we don't know, but. 
that rough is up and he can keep it in the short stuff, that's only going to help. Yep. Sam Burns. Now, you earlier said you didn't think maybe he was the pick. I did Discuss. not. No? No. I mean, listen, I, I love Sam Burns as a player. He's obviously a he's kind of a high upside guy, which isn't a terrible thing to have on, on a Ryder Cup team as your 12th guy, probably, 11th, 12th guy. So I, I don't... I don't hate it. He just wouldn't have been my my guy. Now, what's funny is I I bet him at fifty to one to win the match play and at and uh, the Dell match play. So I I love him for that. And I think he's probably a very patriotic, you know, U.S. kind of guy. Obviously, I get I get it with the Scheffler thing. But like I said, I prioritize ball striking here, and his ball striking is very hot and cold, and. I just, it, it does concern me if, you know, it's close and on Sunday he's going up against, you know, uh, Terrell Hatton in a singles match and I'm relying on Sam Burns to not put himself in some really crappy spots and, and to hit good iron shots consistently, which has been a struggle for him. So, you know, I realize the putter can save his ass, but it, it's, it's just a few days and it's, you know, it could be just one match on Sunday and that concerns me. So um, we'll see how it goes with him and and Scheffler. Maybe there's even a surprise pairing with Sam Burns because I, I don't think you know I know Scheffler's his boy, but I, I think Burns gets along with a lot of these guys out here. Maybe they mix it up or switch something up. Maybe he doesn't play a lot. I would love to see Zach Johnson kind of do something like that. We haven't seen a lot of American coaches really own this thing and say like if you're not really playing well, we're going to hide you until Sunday. We we tend to yeah. give guys opportunities when I don't know that they're playing their best. So we'll see what happens with guys like Burns, guys like JT, if he's still a little rusty. Um, but I, I'm not a huge fan of Burns. I, honestly, I was I was a proponent of bringing DJ back on the team. That was my – I was kind of a DJ or Keegan guy, honestly. You know what? I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I mentioned it a couple of pods ago around I'm shocked that they're not at least talking about DJ. Now, I, it's just so hard to line up the live stuff. I get it. Um, but if you want a guy who's who's – play this stuff before gets along with everyone like yep. literally i think you could kick him in the nuts and he wouldn't be flustered he just seems like the most flat line guy you're going to meet he's perfect for for a rider cup and keegan clearly wants it he's bringing that he would have brought that energy very big um you know almost a team america guy um yeah well, I, I think uh, yeah i'm not against either of those picks instead difference between keegan and burns is keegan is as reliable as they come t to green yeah. like so if you buy into the Tita Green thing, um, you know Keegan was the, was the guy, but DJ was the guy. If if I were if I were picking, it was him all, all the way. Every guy on that team loves DJ. They still love DJ. They don't care about the live thing. He's he's a total locker room guy. He's been a absolute dog in Ryder Cups. He went five and zero in Whistling Straits. You know, one of like four players ever to do that. Um, and DJ shows up and does his damn thing when he wants to. And so. Yeah. I know he didn't quite have the major performances this year, maybe that he, he wanted to, but I think in a Ryder Cup, he would have been fantastic. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I don't think the Europeans would be too disappointed not to see him there, to be honest. Uh, Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth is one that he's, you know, he's he's gone a lot for a lot over the last few years, but um, whenever I think of Jordan, I think he's literally one of the best putters on planet earth. He's not like he's, his numbers just purely say he's not, he right. seems to make parts when they matter though. Um, yeah, that's obviously, true. obviously never, never, never not going to make this team. 
again, we can probably just see him. Uh, I probably can count the amount of times I'm going to have to see that photo of Jordan and Justin as kids eating a hamburger in front of the, in front of the grandstands. Probably the over under at six um, on the on Ryder Cup weekend. Happy with him? Yeah, I mean, of course. Uh, I think Jordan is is a leader, obviously, on the team. He's a staple now. He's he's um, he's earned it. He's eight, seven, and three in Ryder Cups, um, and uh, and that's and that's that's playing in a lot of pressure packed matches where a lot of it was on him, and he was. Doesn't it feel like he's a little under the radar on this team? Oh, right? definitely, hundred percent. It's kind of weird. I think it's the only Ryder Cup where we've felt that for him. Um, that that Jordan would be not really a, a guy that you think about as being a top player on this team. Um, but I think he could be. I think he could be quite sneaky on on this roster. So, I mean, he, he's he's got all the. Ma- I, I still think Jordan has plenty of magic. So while he's sometimes a liability, T to Green, he just has the magic and. Um, and, and like Ricky, I think he could play with a lot of different guys here and and be good. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that I can equate to Jordan Spieth, it's Magic Beans. The guy finds them all the time. I don't know how he does it. Um, Brooks Kepka, the only live player that got selected, and impossible not to. I mean, could clearly have could clearly have won the Masters and then went on went on won a major after that. Had a, had a, a really solid year in the events we saw him playing against the majority of these guys. Did you ever think there was going to be a chance they wouldn't pick him? You know, I actually had a little inside source close to a co-captain tell me about three days before the captain's picks came out when Brooks just lost his sixth locked-in spot to Xander Shoffley after the Tour Championship. I had, I had a little source tell me he wasn't going to be on the team. Oh, wow. And I, I was starting to – I was like, no effing way that is true. That, that just cannot be true. And then I was I was happy to see that he was selected, um, because yeah, I think he completely earned it, and uh, I think he's eight. What, what did I what did I see his record was six five and something. Uh, Kepka is six five and one in Ryder Cups, uh, and and just an you know another alpha. So I think Kepka is going to do just fine. I agree. I think um, the only piece that ever went against him forever and a day. I don't remember which Ryder Cup it was when he talked about the fact that, it, you know, he's not a big teams event guy or whatever the quote was back in the day. But other than that, yeah, the guy just gets up for big events. And this is, this is, this is one of the biggest. He's just, a, he's just a fierce competitor. I mean, I mean, is Patrick Reed, like Patrick Reed's probably not a big team, like team not guy. Not. Yeah. Or he might say he is now because of live, but um, I mean, all these guys are just, you know, I mean, golf is such an individual sport. Um, I think Kepka is just more honest about it than a lot of other guys would probably admit and just wants it to be on his shoulders, whether, whether win or lose, whether playing good or bad. I think he just wants it on his shoulders, but he's still just such a competitor. He doesn't care. You put me with somebody, you put me by myself. I don't care. You give me a guy to beat in front of me. I'm going to beat him. And, uh, and I do think there's some patriotism to him as well in terms of just repping his country and, and probably, Maybe a little chip on his shoulder still. Kepka loves to find that chip on the shoulder and make it maybe bigger than it actually should be or needs to be. And, and he's going to uh, probably in the back of his mind somewhere do, this, do the same thing as the only guy from Liv representing here. Any issues with him playing? Is it Rich Harvest this week before? Um, I, that That's interesting, but I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, listen, th- th- He's going to get there 
in plenty of time that, that you know, four practice round days, Monday through Thursday is going to be way like enough, plenty of, of time to, to get on the golf course. And, and I mean, he already made the trip. He's already seen it once. Right. Yeah. I mean, Andrew and Cantlay were the only two, again, the disgusting bros. They can't do one thing without the other. They were the only two that didn't make it. I think, uh, in the, in the early trip here. So he's already seen it once. I mean, like, it's just not going to, I bet that he doesn't do as much as other people do, even in those four days, even though he, he played rich harvest this week and he's not there with, with a lot of the guys now, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's not like he's going to be sitting, you know, back of the plane, middle row, middle seat. Um, he's going to be sitting on some private jet. He's he's not going. He's going to be well rested, to, to to say the least. Right. Last man on, probably the the one that I don't think I heard a podcast go by for the last few months where we didn't talk about the fact that is Justin Thomas going to get selected? Are you happy that he got picked, or would you prefer one of the other guys? Oh, go, referencing my Instagram again, I made a number of videos in the weeks leading up about how. JT should not have been on this team or should not be on this team. And Karidi, I also documented on our show before the captain's picks, I said about 48 hours before the captain's picks came in, I started to change my mind. And at the very last second, I flip-flopped like a politician and said, nope, I think, I think, I, I say this, and this is kind of, Con, you know, contrary to the to the idea that this should be a meritocracy, right? You should have earned it. But I do think, to an extent, and I think that America, the American team, has been too over over history. We've been too generous to the guys who kind of earned it, but we're kind of playing like garbage. I think we've 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 doled out too many of those spots in years past over the decades. But I started as the as the days got closer to it. I just started to go. You know what, dude? Like JT has kind of just earned at least one, he's earned one hall pass, right? Like he's six two and one. He's been a hell of a teammate. He's been a hell of a competitor. He's been a Team USA ride or die guy. He's a locker room guy that everybody wants on the team, and all that does count for something. And so I think that having the one hall pass for a guy like him to say, hey this is the one time like this is your freebie you're playing like trash you, you haven't earned your way on there are other options that would make sense but you've just been you've you've earned it over the years and and here's your one time now in two years if you're playing like trash again you might not get this back right but here's your one i think jt is a guy worthy of the one and I think he it means enough to him that when he got it and the relief was there, he worked his ass off and he, he's going to show up and do everything he can to prove it. And and I think he probably will. I mean, and even to see him play as well as he did in Napa this week. I mean, I know it was a weak field, but, whatever, but I mean, he finished T5. Like, it's golf. That's yeah. He showed something. He led, he led the field in distance. He put in a longer driver, I guess, which is crazy. He led the field in greens and regulation. Um, so the ball striking seems to be possibly fixed. I mean, we saw the pool noodle picture and he, he looked like me on getting yeah. a left everywhere. You're just like, my coach is trying to get me on plane however he can. But uh, I think JT should be on the team, man. And I also think he loves the team and he loves his country and he loves this event enough that if they get there on Monday and they start playing practice rounds and he doesn't have it for whatever reason, I trust him 
to be honest. There are some guys I wouldn't trust to be honest with that, right? I trust him to go to Zach Johnson and go, dude, yep, I ain't got it right now. I ain't got it. Put Ricky with Jordan or put so, you know, I, I'm out. Like, sit me. Let me keep doing my thing. Let me lead the team in another way. And if we have to, we'll hide me till singles, right? Um, I trust him to do that. And I don't think you could say that about everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably was similar. I, I wasn't sure he was going to make it. I, I didn't really, I won't say I, I was, I thought that he didn't deserve it. I think similar to you, you know, like he'd done so much and uh, over time that he gets that one freebie to get on. So that doesn't concern me. I was probably not, the one guy that I didn't think was, should have been on the team or get a captain's pick was Cam Young. He didn't get one in the end because I just felt like he played three good tournaments this year. Two of them happened to be majors. And and the John Deere. And yep. outside of that, his season wasn't extraordinarily better than Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, they both just didn't have great years, but one was almost an automatic just because of two great major finishes. And I don't know, I, outside of that, I mean, I was shocked guys that didn't make the team and were nowhere near it, like Finau. I was shocked to see how far the rankings down he was this year on the numbers. It was crazy. Yeah. These guys are that. No, I know, I know. It's just, it's just one of those guys that without deep diving and actually looking at the numbers, I just think, oh, yeah, Finau's probably top 15. I think it was like 20-something. It's miles off it. Yep. Um, was there anyone else that you thought might have been in the mix? No. For me, it was always Keegan. It was uh, it was JT. It was – I mean, I knew Burns was in it. I mean, as, as we got closer to it and it started taking shape and the playoffs were here, it really just felt like it, that that was it. I mean, the, you know, there were people talking about Bryson, and I was like, dude, there's no freaking way. No chance. And, and I don't care if you shoot a 58 at freaking TPC, whatever, in, in Virginia. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I always thought it was it was going to be one of those guys. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. Um, now, n- normally, this is the time where we play a game called Mike versus the Mug. Now, in Australia, I don't know if it's the same terminology here, but we call someone who is not a very good gambler a mug punter, right? So they're the mic versus the mug means normally the person that comes on doesn't know anything about betting, doesn't know anything about what strokes gained means, and they just pick a couple of people that they think might win. So normally in a normal tournament, they pick three, I pick three. If one of their people beats my three, I donate $50 to charity. That's how it works. This week, I had to pay because my best finish was... Uh, Cam Davis, Aussie Cam. Um, but conveniently, the guy that I had on, who's a wine expert for last week for Napa, uh, he had Sahith. So he got the winner. <laughs> so the guy who just picked the name, uh, he wins. So I'm donating money to Lifeline, which is a uh, charity uh, here in Australia. Now, this week, first things first, we're going to do a little bit differently. But before, I know I can't donate to the charity because I have tried before. Your wife's charity. Yeah, give us a give us a spiel on what on what your wife's work is and what the charity is. Thanks, Mike. She actually just got back. So, two days after my son made the hole in one, he left to go to South Africa with her for his first time. So, uh, she has a charity called Twenty Eight Bold Two Eight Bold dot com B O L D, and she started it about the same time I started Tour Junkies about uh, eight or nine years ago. And it's just a water relief issue, um, water relief project for for places in Africa, the whole continent of Africa that don't have clean water. And it sounds cliche. It sounds like, oh my gosh, aren't there so many you know places that do water for Africa relief? Yes, there are, but you would not believe how many places in Africa don't have clean, accessible water to drink, to bathe, to cook, 
um, to do all those things. So despite there being large places out there like Charity Water and, and other big um, uh, uh, nonprofits, there are still a lot of places that don't get it. So uh, she drills wells in communities that need access to clean water where they every day are walking miles uh, to go fetch water daily and a lot of times on dangerous streets and uh, it's the women who have to do it um, because the men are out working and doing other things. So they're, they're uh, women and children are having to do it every day. And uh, she just brings clean water uh, through the water that's right underneath where they're living uh, under the ground. So she just drilled her 14th well um, in South Africa. A lot of them have been in South Africa, but uh, we're also doing a lot of projects in Togo, which is on the west coast of Africa. And um, yeah, so if you want to check it out, 28bold.com, you can donate there. So any, any US listeners that want to donate, get on board. Now, I'm going to make this bet with you. And if I lose, I'll donate 50 US to 28 Bold. I have tried to do this before, but for some reason it doesn't like taking money from Australia. Mm. If I can't do that, I'll donate to the normal charity here in Australia either way. And the bet is going to be a simple one this week. No three on three. You just need to pick one player on the US team you think is going to score the most points, and I pick one. You score mm. more than me, I'll donate. So you there have a- to pick one. Sorry? They're a tiebreaker. If you can think of one, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I will say this, Karidi. In 2021, one of my favorite bets was Dustin Johnson to go 5-0. and Okay. I hit it. Really? Like, what, was that, what was that paying? It was like 14-1 to 1 or something. It was a long, that's, you know. That's, that's good, yeah. Long one for a Ryder Cup, right? Yeah. Um, Mm, top score. So, I mean, obviously, we got to think about guys who are going to play every match. That's what we want. I think, I think uh, this may surprise you. I think, I think I've only got, I've only got two guys in my head. So, if you go one, I'm taking the other. I think I'm going to go Patrick Cantlay. <laughs> I thought you were going to, so I'm going to go Xander because they're the two opposites that I—they're the two I like. I think they're going to play the most. I think they're going to have the most. Uh, I think they have the most wins, and there's a good chance it's going to come down to singles. So whether we find out whether we win or lose, because there's a you, good chance I'll play together. Like Price is right in me right there because like it's like on the Price is Right. Do you know that show in Australia? Yeah, there's yeah, a- absolutely, yeah. They're like they have to guess the amount, and they're like eight hundred dollars, and the guy next eight oh one, you know, or exactly. <laughs> Me with Pat and Andrew playing together for literally all the team events. It's it's going to come down to the to the individual match, and possibly. But uh, you know what will happen day one? They'll split them up, and then it'll be it'll be a proper proper game. Uh, but no, look, they're the only two. They're, they're the only two. Maybe Morikawa would be the only other one that I that I'd think about. But they're the two that I like to play the most and and have the most wins. So that'll be good. I'll be watching that. I'll keep you updated, and I'll punch it out on socials as well, which will be. Uh, something to keep your eye on. Uh, anyone that does that does want to get on an email, we send out a free email every Thursday Melbourne time. Uh, it's three putt podcast at gmail.com. Send out a breakdown on the event that week and the bets that we're going to place. Uh, last week we had a really early win, which is good. We had a multi or a parlay, as you call it in the states, DB, uh, for round one three ball in Europe, and that won and paid. Uh, 10 to 1, which is good. 10, 11 dollars, I think it paid off the top of my head. Um, 
the best thing that happened in Europe last week is Tyrrell Hatton didn't win. Um, DB, you probably didn't listen to last week's show. Tyrrell is on my shit list. And when he flew up the leaderboard last week, like I was really, really, really concerned that he might win. So Kiwi Ryan Fox winning was the best thing to happen last week and watching Tyrrell lose again. Um, and then in the States, yeah, Sahith won. So Sahith was just nails like just literally the weekend was just so good um no one could get close i was really hoping cam davis who was in the picks would climb up there and get him but he couldn't quite get there round one parlay we had there as well we actually missed it um by one leg um and it was your boy kiz your boy kiz birdied his 18th hole uh to i think he knocked out maybe kucha or someone kucha maybe bogeyed his last hole and then they did a two two shot swing that cost me the parlay so i got i I got to give Pat a shout out because he, 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 we both like Sahith. He puts Sahith on the betting card at 20 to one, two units. But not a lot of people caught it. But in the betting show, we did briefly touch on the BMW PGA. And I think we may have mentioned, I think Pat may have mentioned three guys total. And one of them was Ryan Fox. Ryan Fox. He's a, he's a, look, he's a rug. He looks like a rugby player. His dad was an all black and he's, yeah. He's a, he's a stock standard Kiwi. He's just a just all fun value. Just literally couldn't be a nicer bloke. You saw as he walked off the green on eighteen, Minwoo Lee coming out there, giving him the big hug. Um, just so happy for him. It was good to see him get Seems a win. Like, yeah, I, I'm a big Ryan Fox guy. I love Ryan Fox. I play him in every major. Every major yep. I play. Play Ryan yep. Fox. No, he's a uh, he's a favorite down down in Australia as well. Um, Mate, thank you for just anyone who's listening again this far in to TJ. So obviously tour junkies. Uh socials is obviously just it's still tour underscore junkies. Yeah, man. At tour underscore, can't forget the underscore at tour underscore junkies. Uh yeah, I just I checked. So one percent of our total listeners are Australians. There you go. I know well. It would have been zero percent when I started, and yeah, hopefully we've helped a little bit. Hopefully, some more jump on now. So, if you do want to listen to two guys with their southern accents, maybe throw in an Australian accent if they're talking about Jason Day or Cameron Davis. Um, that'll be DB. Listen each week. Uh, the guys will break down all of the stats, all of the numbers, and, and put up some odds. All the Australians just have to figure out how the Australian, uh, the the US odds work because the the plus two hundred and stuff. We we that makes no sense to us at all. But. Yeah, how do you guys? What do you, how do you guys do it again? What is it? Yeah, what we is do it? something really crazy where we just say, if you put on a dollar, this is what you will win. So normally it's 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 six to one, seven to one, or it's like it's paying six dollars. So if you put on a dollar, you will win six dollars. That's gotcha. it. But so, so you'll you, you'll say the like twenty to one. Yeah, you, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't do the plus thing either until unless you're talking about unless it's like a three digit number and it's a weird number, like a you know, like a yeah. Like I did a parlay last week. It actually hit. It was Max Homa top ten, Shane Lowry top twenty, and it was like plus two sixty five. So like, how how else am I supposed to say that other than plus two sixty five? So that I'll, I'll say that. So but. we 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 so that that in Australian terms, we would say two dollars sixty five. Two dollars sixty five. Okay. Yeah. So if you put on it, because yours works on just you please correct me, but yours the, the US works on if you bet a hundred, this is what you get back. That's yeah. generally how people describe it. Yeah. And so yeah, we just say if you if you bet a dollar, this is what you get back. So on the next on the next show that I do, I'll try to work in like a um, yeah, mate. You know, if you put on uh, if you put on like plus if you put on two dollar sixty five, you get if you put a dollar, you get plus, you get two dollars sixty five, mate. Yeah, 
There was actually a section there where you actually had it bang on. When you were saying a dollar sixty-five, it was quite quite Australian. It's actually out like it. It's almost outback Australian. It's 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 like crocodile Dundee accent. Me. I mean, I'm you know, I'm a guy kind of in, you know, I'm not in the big city. That fits me perfect. And look, it does. Hit it almost an hour and a half, hour forty-five minutes without me doing that has been. I, I guarantee you, if I when I push this out on social, people are going to be like over under three minute mark before <laughs> is going full Aussie on Mike and all the over betters just won. They did. They did. Mate, thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. Definitely want to get you and Pat on, talk about the Masters here, about all about Augusta, all about the Masters playing, watching, uh, and all that great knowledge a lot of the Aussies want to hear, especially if they're going to make the trip. So thank you heaps for today. Thanks, man. Appreciate you and uh, congrats. And uh, yeah, I would love to love to get you back to Augusta. I would actually, actually, I would prefer me just come to Australia because that yeah, is come on. over here. Come over here. We, we, you know, I got enough people now that we can uh, introduce you to to go and play some courses that yeah, you definitely want to play. Flag matches. Flag matches, definitely. Behind me with Caridi. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cheers, Dave.